The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Greetings, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. We are going to do the Monday Follies in just a moment, and I have two wonderful guests here with me. My friend Greg Bowens is back. Of course, uh, Greg is the former spokesperson for Detroit Mayor Dennis Archer. He's a consultant, also the founder of the Gross Point chapter of the NAACP. Glad to have Greg back on the program here. Also, my friend Joel Sklar is back, civil rights attorney. And uh, gentlemen, before we get into the Follies, and I think this was important that we we actually do this. Of course, we lost uh, Judge Damon Keith yesterday, 96 years old. Of course, uh, the namesake of the wonderful law center at Wayne State University and a guy who was involved in some incredibly important uh, judicial rulings over the years, especially when it comes to things like warrantless wiretapping, uh, among other things, and also a civil rights icon in the community. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you. I mean, I didn't know him really well. I got a chance to meet him and work with him on a couple of projects over the course of my career, and he was a gracious, humble guy who never really liked having that sort of mantle of icon mm-hmm. uh, around around him, but he definitely was. No, he definitely was, and I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer, uh, but you're lucky. I, I'm lucky. <laughs> <Good> career, <laughs> but I, you know, the thing about it is, is that you know, I got to know him when I you know worked for the city of Detroit when I got to work for Dennis Archer, and. Uh, the impact that he had on the fabric of society here in Detroit, I think, is something that's really not talked about uh, very often from the soul food lunches that he would throw once a year that allowed people who were not in the legal field to be able to come to the federal courthouse, come to his chambers and interact with people from across the spectrum. And it was it would it was an honor to be invited and to come. And it, when you did go, you felt like that you were in some place very special. In addition to that, I think that his mere presence actually provided a certain level of stability to our community in ways that we don't often see. He was sort of a touchstone, I think, for everybody from, you know, the mayor or city council on up to the governor and presidents and folks that were seeking office that uh, that was really uh, a really sta- a really good stabilizing force in our community and I, I wish that you know people would well I'm talking about it and that, that's one of the things that I can appreciate about it uh, because well into his 90s he remained that stabilizing force I know that the that the decisions that he made on the federal bench were really really important and I can appreciate them and I'm so grateful that we had a person with that kind of legal acumen and courage uh, but at the same time, I'm also grateful for his presence and his ability to provide that sort of stabilizing force for our community. And I think that is one of the things that is going to be sorely missed, you know, here. Well, and Joel, of course, like I mentioned, you're a civil rights attorney. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the cases that you're arguing are dealing with very things that he's ruled on in the past. And some of the legislation that, that you know, or some of the, excuse me, the, uh, the rulings uh, that guide what you do on a daily basis were handed down by him in his career. Absolutely true. And, and I got, it was a pleasure to argue in front of him, in front of the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Just, you know, just a, a remarkably 
judges can be intimidating at times. They can be nice. They can be mean. This was just a gentleman on and off the bench. Uh, his questions were always inquisitive. He always remembered the human element. He knew that he was making decisions that impacted lives. He wasn't far removed from that. And I find that, when, you know, in my experience with courts, courts can become insulated from, from the society that they're there to serve, right, and to make rulings that affect real lives. Damon Keith never lost the common touch, although he could walk with kings. And I think that speaks to the type of man that he was. I had a just a brief encounter with him maybe two or three years ago where I saw him in Campus Martius. I just said, hey, you know, Your Honor, it's Joel Sklar. I argue, you have no idea who I am, but it's been a, you're just – I just can't speak enough. Mm-hmm. And his response was, it's an honor to meet you. And it was the most gracious, um, humble. Uh, it was touching. And, and I feel his loss. I think the legal community feels his loss. The Sixth Circuit feels his loss. You know, people that have his type of vision and his type of courage are rare, which is why they are iconic. And who will replace him, I don't know. But but I miss him. And uh, I, I'm sorry he's gone, but what, what a mark he left. Well, he never officially retired. Yeah, um, which is pretty remarkable. And he was and, sharp. All, you know, I don't. I, well, I, I don't think he lost a step. Well, Joe, the, the the thing you're talking about right there in terms of your interaction with him, both in and outside of the court, is what I'm really talking about too. I mean, you know, the courts remain such a mystery for so many people uh, that we don't often get to interact with those justices in ways that allow for us to remember that they are human beings. And I can understand, you know having the gravity and and the secrecy around, you know, some of that. But at the same time, you know, they're people too. And if we can see these judges as people and relate to them in that kind of way, then I think that it makes it easier for us to uh, to understand decisions when they're made. No, absolutely. You know? I, I agree with you. And again, he, he, I just thought his view was from the the, the citizen's view. The, the rights that he was championing and trying to protect mm-hmm. belong to each of us. And he never you know, lost sight of who he was protecting, the, mm-hmm. the vulnerable, the disenfranchised, those who need courts and quite frankly need lawyers to champion those rights and keep them alive. Otherwise, they will die, and he kept things living. And that's a testament to him. What a remarkable man, and what a rich and fulfilling and incredible life. Well, I, I'll tell yeah. you what. There's, there's nothing more intimidating than, you know, being invited to host a, a panel discussion that mm-hmm. he's going to be witnessing here about some important issues of the day, no matter what they were. I did on, on a few occasions over at the Keith Center at State University, and he was always right there in the front row watching very diligently. And, you know, you want to not be an idiot up there. Oh, and, you know what's difficult to do? It's difficult to do. With Damon Keith, he, he was such a gentleman. I never saw him embarrass any lawyer no. on any argument. Mm. And it, it's not difficult for judges to do that. Some judges enjoy doing that. Right. Uh, this was a judge who gave great respect to lawyers, and lawyers gave it great respect to him and he treated lawyers again like a gentleman and I think the the grace by which uh, he operated as, as a judge is something that should be followed by others and I hope it is. Well, you know, I, I definitely wanted to make sure that I got some recognition of uh, Judge Keith's passing on the program today. I mean, typically we do the Monday Follies. Uh, this is not a funny situation. This is, a, again, a big loss for our community, uh, an iconic man and, and somebody whose legacy is just massive. Uh, absolutely. Um, and oh, yeah. um, I wanted to recognize that it, today. It deserves great on. recognition from now on. So I appreciate forward. your willingness to go off script a little bit uh, to, to mark this today, but I thought you two might have some uh, unique insight mm-hmm. here. It's a pleasure. Um, given that we We've all interacted with him in the past, and, and um, you know we'll feel this one, I think, for, oh, yeah. for a little while. And the tributes are going to be – they've already started, but when you look at how many people 
uh, were influenced by him, how many people clerked for him in some situation, how many people he mentored down the road. I mean, from everybody, you know, you've got our, our current uh, Secretary of State, right, and right. of course, worked directly with him at Wayne State for a long time. And, you know, you can see these tributes coming out, and I think they're all worthwhile. He's one of the few people with every story that I hear is always great. Yeah. You know, there, it doesn't no, happen very I don't often. hear criticism. I, I, I always hear Well, Richard Nixon might not have liked him a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say sure, I was yeah. in sixth grade. But, uh, but just a tremendous, tremendous man, a tremendous loss. But, again, 96 years. Um, he lived them fully, and, and that's something we can all emulate. I, 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 it was just an honor to be in his presence. All right. So let's take a breath. Take five here, five Got seconds, it. because it is time for the Monday Follies. Okay, and we do have some things to talk about because we, we talk about somebody like Damon Keith, who is just this, this pillar of virtue. And then we talk about our president of the United States. Now, granted, yeah. um, he had a rally in Wisconsin over this past weekend. We won't necessarily get into some of the comments that he said that were just completely off the rails and, and just out there when it comes to, especially when it comes yeah. to abortion and some other things that he was talking about the other night. But I thought there was a milestone that we need to talk about. Now, the Washington Post Fact Checker Service put out that he has just reached a new milestone he has made. <laughs> Let's get the official number so I don't get this wrong. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure I didn't leave out a zero. Right, right, right. President Trump has now made more than 10,000 false or misleading <laughs> claims. 10,000 false or misleading claims, according to the fact checker. Yeah, yeah. We accept this as a nation. I know a bunch of people who like, just like this guy. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Why do people not care that he would do this? Yet if it was any other politician, they would be the first ones out there suggesting it's time for impeachment. Why, why, why? I think I think quite honestly it's because we'd rather be entertained than anything else. You know, you take what he says with That's a grain what Marvel's of salt. for. That's what Avengers <laughs> is for. That's what, you know, Game of Thrones is for. I totally I totally get that, you know, but I mean, you know, if you ever watch any of those rallies, the guy is just on a constant riff. You know what I mean? He's just jumping from topic to topic, and he's saying anything off the top of his head, and he's cracking jokes about green energy, and he's cracking jokes about Democrats. And, you know, so people don't generally, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, when I watch it, and it's hard for me to watch it being a yellow dog Democrat, but at the same time, you know, I'm like, this guy is entertaining. I get it. You know, he can be downright funny at some times. But the, the reality is, is that we need to be able to take a president at his, his or her word, right? Because you make lots of decisions based on what that person says. And so the, the funny thing is, is that he's a business guy and the markets don't react the way that they would react to a Bush or Obama or something like that when they say something because they don't believe anything that he says. You know what I mean? So the institutions move on regardless. Right. They just sort of like float on. The markets don't go crazy when he says, I'm going to, you know, close down the border. Now, you know, if you close down the border, then you're going to halt the auto industry. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, very it's true. going to be chaos in the country. Uh, but the markets didn't go bananas over that because they're like, this guy lies all the time. Right, that, that he's not, <laughs> it's just another Trump crazy Right, statement, it's just you know? another, you but, know, but he's just riffing, man. It, Forget it. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his riffs are interesting because that stream of consciousness is completely, you know, yeah. somewhat crazy. Right, but right. I see it as a cult of personality. People, for whatever reasons, find whatever they they may want in themselves or lack in themselves in Trump, either the power, the ability to say the absurd, right. the ability to disregard Trump. 
truth because truth now is fungible and seems not to matter anymore, which is for me drives me completely insane. I kind of live in a world where facts do matter. Well, he's never gone. He's he's not gonna he's right. not gonna raise his hand to tell the truth. Right. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> Same memo I got on. Hey, you know, things are truth. Some things are not true. But it's this. It when I speak to people who who are Trump supporters, it is a cult of personality. There's nothing oh, he yeah. can say that's wrong. Because I've asked this question: Is there anything I can say to you or show you that would make you change your mind? The answer is no. So, so it, it's a post-logic world. It's just – it's a cult of personality. It, it, it's, it's bizarre to me. Yeah. But he's got a hell of a hold on 60 million. God knows how I, many you people. You know, look, I'm a veteran, man, and I go like, okay, you know what? Maybe he wasn't on the phone with some Russian general, you know, in charge of the whatever agency they call it that was conducting – yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, conducting the spying and the, and the, and the psychological warfare campaign. With, maybe he wasn't on the phone with the guy. But he was definitely sending signals, you know, saying, hey, help me out. And and so the idea that somehow you can put your own self-interest ahead of the interest of the country, to me, is just that's a full stop. You need to drag that guy out of office by his, you know, by his golf clubs. <laughs> but but you, you, know, you got to convince those who love my him. golf club out of my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> you know, that, that his self-interest isn't their self-interest. And that's what's so strange. You that's know, an interesting point. You know, I, I, I mean, to find... For, for the common person, blue collar, or who you are, to find yeah. to identify with Donald Trump, I don't know how you do that. You know, I, I don't know what you've done in your life to say, "Hey, this guy reminds me a lot of myself." And if right. I could only be like him, God, how great it would be. You know, that to me is just strange. I don't quite get it. He's someone right. I think you should turn away and you know run away from, but I, I can't explain it. You know, it's some phenomenon that has taken over. Not just this nation, but in some ways the but world with what's going on, you know, internationally. To go back to what frankly. you said earlier, I mean, the, the institutions are working. You know, the balance of power is there. But and how long? Well, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. I right. mean, you know, you got the courts. We depend on the courts. You've got the Congress. We depend on the Congress. And, and you got the executive branch. And so when the executive branch goes bananas, like what we got now, <laughs> these other things are a check and a balance on them. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way that uh, the way that these three branches interact when trying to get his taxes, right? Absolutely. And when the continuing investigations into uh, uh, his activities as related to the Russians and the emoluments clause. I mean, we all know this guy, every time he goes to Florida, man, he's getting paid. <laughs> making like, some money. You're right, he's making money he's off, making the, you know, money. off the government. Well, you know? it's, it, it's he's interesting. like Camp David. It's, it, that. it's interesting <laughs> that he says that, you know, if, if indeed this, this challenge that he's mounting to any of his records or any of his people going to testify, you know, he's trying to suggest that nobody's going to have to go to Capitol Hill. Right. Basically trying to, to erode Congress's oversight role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, I'm just going to go to the court. What does that suggest about what he thinks he has on the Supreme Court? Uh, uh, I agree. That, that's uh, that was really me. disturbing for me. Yeah. That, you know, that well, was he does that telling. all the time. I own the court, so right. therefore I'm good. Right. Uh, I really hope John Roberts was listening to that because if there's one thing John Roberts does like to do, it's smack down to anybody that thinks that they're not an independent body. Well, he did it once. I know. Right? Absolutely. I mean— and Trump admonished and I mean, him, you know, you know I, I mean, I mean, he got admonished by Trump, and you know, was Trump listening to that? Nah, he probably didn't even hear about it. You know, I mean, he got Kavanaugh. So I got Kavanaugh. I got right. the numbers, but I have my guy, feeling, if, if he the likes courts, beer, if the court's independence <laughs> is threatened, well, Trump doesn't drink. 
So that's not necessarily big. Allegedly. <laughs> he <laughs> does something, man. He's got to be doing great. something. My God. He's got to be on something. You know, maybe he's doing edibles. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he certainly does not. One thing he does not do is go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner anymore. Uh, he did go once, uh, I recall. And if I remember correctly, Barack Obama skewered him in front of that yes. entire audience. And, they and, say that's why. That's, that's when why he decided right. to exactly. run. Exactly. But uh, he God, didn't go this week. Instead, Ron Chernow, who, of course, is a historian, wrote the book uh, on Am- Alexander Hamilton that frankly, the, uh, the the playwrights used to come up with the Hamilton um, screen, uh, uh, what yeah, do you yeah. call it? Not screen the play. play. That's not the right word. The play, the yeah. actual play. Theater. Uh, you know, so... <laughs> Welcome to the so, and, and he was funny. Ron Chernow didn't do a whole lot of digs. He was sort of lambasting the media a little bit for the way that they're covering this president and right. their, how they're doing their job in general, which I think was warranted. Um, but he also said... You know, I would prefer if my president was in line for the Nobel Peace Prize and not the Nobel Prize in fiction. Which, <laughs> I mean, is about as funny as a historian's going to get here. But Donald Trump skipping this event. Uh, and telling his and telling his staff not to go. Yeah, but the, the boycott is, is I, I, right. I, anybody got a problem with that? Because the correspondence dinner had sort of become this this farcical thing, uh, and it was always funny, but it was more of a celebrity thing than it was a, a recognition of good journalism almost. I, oh, yeah, I'm, anybody true. okay with uh, the president saying, screw this, I don't need to go and get uh, get abused? Uh, I think with this guy, it doesn't matter one or the other. I, I think if, if he would go, it would be newsworthy because he'd make it newsworthy. If he doesn't go, he, he makes it newsworthy. But I think the bigger point is it's another – you know, slug of the press, right? He, he's trying to diminish the validity, the legitimacy of the press, I think, by not going. You know, I, I, does it matter? Hey, it's a party. It's funny or it's not funny. But I think it's just another effort to really diminish the credibility of the press, which is that fourth branch, right? Which is trying to, the fact checker. Right, right. You know, he's trying to diminish that legitimacy that everything Trump says is true or it doesn't matter if it's true. And take away from the press, which is the watchdog that we need to keep democracies in check. Well, you know, and the irony is, is that that's the one place you could go where nobody would expect for him to tell the truth. You know, you crack some jokes yeah. and you stretch the truth and out. An opportunity to for get, you to get a laugh. Digs in on everybody that well, you got to. But you know what? I, 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 I agree with you. I would like for you to consider this: Trump is not going to do anything where he can't be the star. So why would he go and sit in a crowd of people and get laughed at? That's you know exactly I mean? true. He's, he's I mean, got he's, a very thin skin. Right. Yeah. And he, he wants to go someplace where he commands the stage. Where he's adored. And so he comes up. He uses this as, as a leverage to have his own format. Right? Which is yeah. a little rally. Because every right. time he – ever since he's been in yeah. office, every time they do this, he has a rally. Right. That's his thing. And so, uh, no, I, I wouldn't expect for him. And to it come. got much better ratings. And it got, got right. Got that's what he ratings. would say. But I don't. I, to, be, <laughs> to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I don't even know if it's appropriate anymore for any president to go. I mean, I you know, yeah, I get a good natured ribbing and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, we uh, uh, the bounds of of. I think what's appropriate sometimes have just gone way over the line. You that's know, a dan- the, you know, listen, you're getting comedians who are there to push the envelope, right? Yeah, I like funny. Who doesn't like funny? Yeah. We're on well, the Monday Follies. We not, love funny. Believe it or not, Chernow was actually kind of funny. A couple of lines that he got in there the other night uh, that I think were pretty good. He was talking about Alexander Hamilton and, and you know writing yeah. his history of him, and he said. You know, thank God he joined or he got here before the country was full. He said, frankly, I don't know why they let the guy in. Clearly, somebody slipped up at the southern border. (laughs) And then the best part, I thought this was the best line. He said, you know, uh, because, you know, Donald Trump reportedly when he was visiting Mount Vernon said that 
Washington made a mistake by not naming the place after himself, like Trump Tower or something yeah, like yeah, that. Of course he would. So here's what Chernow said. He said, you know, you got to put your name on stuff or no one remembers you. As best I can tell, Washington committed one major blunder as president. He failed to put his name on Mount Vernon and thereby bungled an early opportunity at branding. Clearly deficient at the art of the deal, the poor man had to settle at the lowly title of father of our country. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention a that state is a named sick after you. By not historian. to mention a, a, historian. Yeah, a city named the capital of the country. Chris Kearns is going to, you know, Kearns going to come up with next, but that is a, but that's appropriate. Well, let, let's. I mean, this is the difference of a man of substance and one who has no substance and no. But the guy, the guy is just—he's performing. This is one long reality show. You know? It is. That's what it is. When do people so, get tired of it? You well, I mean, I mean, Survivor's on for like. But a you can't years. turn it off. Right. It's like ah, I can't change the channel. I'm a captive. <laughs> well, interestingly enough. Um, we do have another candidate. We're talking about substance. Everybody on the Democratic side is looking to see who's got the substance. Last week, uh, yeah. Joe Biden officially entered the race. He did. Sleepy Joe, as the president is starting to refer to him as. Or Crazy Although, Uncle Joe. Or Crazy Uncle like, Joe, exactly. <laughs> Interesting, interestingly enough, um, you know, Joe Biden is the one guy that, that challenged him to a fist fight. <laughs> to a fist fight, take That's him out true. behind the behind the garage or right, something right. like that, behind the right. barn. Uh, Joe Biden's candidacy. He seems to have withstood a lot of the heat that he was getting a few weeks ago over the yeah, creepy old the Uncle Joe kind of stuff. Huggy Joe. Huggy <laughs> Joe. Or sniffing the hair. Listen. Yeah, yeah the hair smells good. The hair. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, is that like a glue high? <laughs> That's a, that was a question. There's a, you know, it's like, what's going Something on? Something in the air. All right. <laughs> no, your conditioner's wonderful. So, <laughs> so Joe Biden's in. What um, do you use? <laughs> is, is he the de facto leader on the Democratic side at this point in time? Greg, you've spent a lot of time working on Democratic yeah, politics. You know, well, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm I'm, I'm one of the I'm, I'm a partisan I'm, I'm part of the democratic establishment here and I think that you know two months ago we were screaming about or this last election we were screaming about Joe Biden coming here and supporting that guy the Republican uh, running for Congress I forget the guy's name right now but he went to a, a fundraiser forum and he spoke he got paid two hundred thousand dollars and that particular Michigan congressman won by like a couple percentage points. Mm-hmm. So you know we were sort of outraged that that he would do that. I mean, what 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 are you doing, right? No, what was he doing? Well, was I mean, he was two hundred grand. He was like, making some hey, money, man. Right. He was, you know, he had a gig, right? Well, it's a good gig. <laughs> it was a good gig, and he but he had to know in in some kind of way that whatever he said there, it would end up in campaign literature, which is exactly what happened, you know, and so. Uh, for many of us in the Democratic Party, that's one example. I don't want to convict the guy on, on, on this one thing, but at the same time, it gives you pause because as a party, we are a little more to the left now than I think, you know, even from the Obama days. You know what I mean? Well, according to, according to my conservative friends, the yeah. Democratic Party has lurched so far to the left that they're basically scratching the back of the far right at this point oh, in time. No. Hey, <laughs> they're like yeah. meeting on the backside they're, of the earth right now. Yeah, it's through right. six. You know, a, those the, guys are fascist, <laughs> man. The, the Biden <laughs> thing is what you're saying, because I'll give you two views. My dad's yeah. ninety, could be 94 in a week, loves Biden. My son's 23. You know, and is a is an ardent you know Democrat. Yeah, well, yeah. not you know says, come on, Dad, Biden, right? And, and it's not age because he still loves Bernie, right? right, right he right. wants Bernie to be the candidate. So my dad likes the establishment candidate. My son and the millennials, they don't want somebody in establishment, and they don't see Bernie as that. So I think you know, I saw that polling today where it said that among people fifty and older, Biden 
is the choice. And 30 and younger, Bernie is the choice. Right. You know? And, and yeah. I still think that, you know, my, my father, even if it was Bernie and not Biden, my yeah. dad would still vote Democrat. He'd right, still right. vote for Sanders. And that's my son's argument. Say, listen, the establishment Democrats are still going to vote Democrat because you've got to get rid of this guy. Oh, yeah. And, and the people, that, the guy that we love or my friends love, that's Sanders. You know, and, and we're going to get out for that. So, well, Bernie's speaking exactly to what 30-year-olds and 20-somethings like because he's basically talking about wiping out their college debt. I mean, that's where they are in their life right now. If he was talking a lot about Medicare for all, most people that age don't care about the health care as much that's as true. they care about the free college. You're right. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, if you think you can mobilize a whole bunch of 20-somethings to go out and vote, God bless you. We have yet to see it really manifest itself in a way that, that – they show up in the numbers that they promise. Well, you know what? They need to. Who the, the way you bridge that gap is? You say, "I want to get rid of debt for the kids and the parents that had to borrow money for them to go to school." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's now you're bridging the gap, man. Like, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, I'm there. You know, I always wonder why the hackers never hack into like you know TransUnion and just like erase everybody's yeah, score. That would be benevolent and kind, right? Yes. You know, somebody going to ask the Russians to do that? If you're <laughs> listening, not, if you're listening, Russia, if you're listening, wipe out my credit score. Thank you very much. Dude, right? You know, you know, help us out. What mortgage? Right? What mortgage? Exactly. What are you talking about? I got an eight hundred. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move uh, to a different country here because. Um, strangely enough, Ukraine has been a place with a little bit of political instability over the course of the last couple of decades since they broke away from the from the Soviet Union, broke away from the Russian influence. Russia's been trying to gain that influence back. They've had a couple of different puppet leaders, and then they've had some fights yeah. and all sorts of stuff going on. Well, Ukraine apparently wants to follow the United States lead. They just elected as their new prime minister a guy who was a star of a sitcom in that country who basically played a bumbling president sort of like sort of like a veep role that that show (laughs) you know it's like uh it's it's like um julia louis dreyfus in in veep same kind of a character right he gets elected they just the guy went on there kind of as a pat paulson sort of joke kind of thing and here he is now the newly elected leader of ukraine maybe that shows where we're going well Well, and he basically says i don't know what i'm gonna do you guys got to help me figure out what, what we should do here. Right. Um, Just ask Putin. He'll tell you what to do. Well, that's exactly – is that is that the route that you go in this situation or – I mean, he's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I You like that? I like that too. Well, Look. but wait. They, you know what? I kind of like that. The guy has no real positions. He's about as elastic as they come. Have you ever played Risk, the board game? Yes. Then you would really understand how important – Ukraine is. Yeah, that's true. If you want to win risk, <laughs> you must control the Ukraine. <laughs> and I'm thinking that, you know, some of that is leaking out in the real life here. You know, I mean, what? It's the power of the media all over the world. And we're talking about this as if the Russians haven't been actively trying to annex the Ukraine. Parts of it. So, you know, that, come on, you know that they've got, you know that they got their finger in the pie over there. You know that they were stirring the pot over there. There's no way... That but they weren't. But this they guy, practiced on us. But this and guy. <laughs> and they did a nice job. They this, did a nice job. Uh, this Brexit. guy did something nobody's ever done in that country, though. He won a majority Survived in both the election. pro-Western majority of the country. Yeah. And also he won a majority of the people who want closer ties with Russia, which is really strange, which is a, sm- which is a minority but a very vocal and powerful one because they have a whole bunch of the uh, oligarchs supporting them. They have a lot of the money on the, dem- on the minority side, especially from Russia, because Russia wants, of course— to influence that, if not over, right, oh, take over portions take of it. it but this guy somehow managed to straddle that fence and win a majority on both sides, which I've never seen 
in that part of the he's world. A political animal. Well, you know, the guy knows what he's doing, apparently. I mean, maybe it's because he doesn't have any firm positions other than being appealing and being well-known. Right. And, and that you could, again— Gee, where does that—that does that, that sounds familiar. It does, but right. I don't know where that's coming from. But it, it's, you know, you get to paint whatever you want to paint on the guy, and that's maybe it's what Vladimir what Zelensky is his name, and, and we'll see what he ends up doing. I don't think he had any intention of winning this race either. Jeez. Sounds so, familiar again, yet again. Sounds, sounds very, yeah, very familiar. Why don't just increase his profile and everybody would win? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, the, the, uh, the, 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 the part of what's going on here is that, I mean, he's not the first person to ever, you know, rise up out of nowhere and get elected as a, as a populist, you know, figure. I'm trying to think there was somebody else in another former Soviet country that was doing the same thing. I think it was a woman or something. Yakov Smirnov? Uh, <laughs> that really wow. wasn't good. That's dated. I know, right? But you know, <laughs> hey, I mean, I but went this, to France and recently. <laughs> but, but, but it's important for us to pay attention really, to this because kidding. of the way that the that the Russians have been acting, and because of the way this president, our own president, has been acting towards the Russians in terms of weakening our stance with uh, NATO, you know, and uh, and weakening our our alliances around the world. And now you got now you got his buddy from North Korea. Hooking up with his other buddy from the Soviet Union, talking about, you know, maybe we can help you out here on this uh, nuclear thing. You know what I mean? And uh, those are scary times. I mean, look, guys, there are Russians in South America right now. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we got to move on, gentlemen. We've been invaded. <laughs> I, I want to get on to some other subjects. As you remind folks, this is the Monday Follies. I'm Craig Folly. Thanks very much for being with us today. Uh, Joel Sklar is here, as is Greg Bowens. Gentlemen, I appreciate it very much. Uh, let's get to some of the funny stories of the week. I, I just don't have a ton of time for these, so we're going to do like 30 seconds each on some of these. Um, police in Grand Haven are asking residents, $40,000 spilled out of the back of a car, back of a truck, basically, that was carrying it, and a bunch of people stopped. It flew all over the road. A lot of people stopped, (laughs) pocketed the cash, and took off, and the police are saying... Please return the money. Now, some people actually have returned some of the change that I they picked they got up. Like thirty thousand or so back. I, didn't I, did they get thirty thousand? Shocked! I thought, shocked! Yeah. Wow. Would you have given it back? You know, I like to see sitting here, of course, my guy, my <laughs> one but uh, in the safety of my cars, I'm speeding off, counting my hundreds. God only knows what I would do. That's, that's a, right. That's I found a hundred dollars. <laughs> that's a rough call for me to make, but I'd like to think my better self would say, "Here you go." Yeah, well, I, they you got know, a lot of back, a lot back. I mean, that's a. That's a highway tax, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But going the saying. other way. That's right. That's Dollars exactly flying right. from the back end of a Brinks truck. Okay. Hey. This was a good day. Right. Today was a good I'm day. I'm taking this stretch of highway tomorrow at <laughs> the exact same time. All right. So let's get to a couple of the other stories here. This one was interesting. Uh, there was a woman who was arrested. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Was it illegal? If you find it, do you have to give it back? You know, You're like, an attorney. I am, but I, I never no, I'm saying, is that it illegal for you to keep it? Um, you know, I go back I to finders losers or finders keepers. Why isn't that what it was? Now, is yeah. that is that one? My, is my that... guess is you probably got to return it. You know, really? it's really not your cash, and now it's known that it's not yours. It belongs to a third party. I think what would Andy Griffdell Opie to do with the money? Well, I think we now. Oh man, that's got a moral standard we should be living here. by. I agree. Just I would, tell us I what would, the law is. What does the law say? Just what the sheriff would say. Ope, got to give that back to the bank. Wow. Uh-huh. All right. In the in the uh, relationships are hard department. I thought this was interesting. Oh there God. was a woman who called the police. Uh, she was reporting a burglary in progress at her home. Mm. They showed up. But in reality, what she was trying to do was catch her husband in an extramarital affair that she suspected was going on while she was That's not a burglary. There. 
<laughs> still, well, lady, the lady is still in his nookie. Well, well there's <laughs> no breaking, but there may be entering. So, oh. that could be a, oh, no breaking, but some entering. <laughs> so now, that's funny. That's funny. That's going to make the crime. Here's the worst part about it. So, the cops show up at the house. They search the house. They find drugs, uh, drug paraphernalia, uh, marijuana, cocaine, some other drugs throughout the house, including some of it was stashed in the woman's five-year-old kid's bedroom. Oh, my God. So now she is facing second-degree possession charges and facing jail time for filing a false police report. I mean, I understand, you know, wanting to catch us. I, it doesn't appear that uh, that he was there, but she called the police. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, not well thought out. Wow. No, not not well thought. You may want to clear things from the table. Yeah. You know, the bong may be put away. Just Whatever use, you got going on there, just just use the key next time. Just go yeah. see for yourself. Well, I suppose so, but if you can't get off of work, you know, and, and maybe you just that is tripped out. So she wasn't there. No, no, she was not there. She was not there, and she called. Wow. She called the report of burglary. So it was a false police report, and right. they found drugs in the house, and therefore she's now in a lot of trouble. Wow! Wow! Um, and it would seem like a genius plan at the time. Well, and if there was a divorce pending, all of a sudden his case just got a little bit better, didn't it? Well, That's the equities true. are on his side. Yeah. <laughs> they might make up though. This could be one reconciliation. Of those, yeah, one of those it things to just, bring them right. back together. I, I just wanted to get your attention, right. and now that I have, not <laughs> look what you're missing. Now, now here's another. Here's another case of, of uh, relationships gone bad. Uh, we actually talked about this on the Follies several months ago when this woman first uh, got arrested and, and was actually, you know, uh, put in custody for mental health treatment. Mm. Um, she had texted this guy 159,000 times after they went out on a date. Yeah. And the guy's like, The guy never yeah, heard of block. I'm not interested. <laughs> but yeah, block this number. But the, okay. But she's actually spoken out now and saying, I don't think anything I did was unusual. No, after the first hundred thousand. <laughs> um, you I mean did, did his phone get anything else, by the way? That's so many texts. How much was that? I mean, what plan is she on? Oh, I know, right? right. It's like the unlimited data. stalking plan. I mean, is there one that I can get out? I mean, what what is going on with that? Well, yeah. I mean, she was being accused of stalking, yeah. right. but now she has officially been ruled mentally incompetent to stand no. trial. No way. I don't find that possible. I know. hundred and fifty nine thousand texts. Right, with proper punctuation, grammar. I mean, come on. Well, and they were really weird too. If you oh. actually look at some <laughs> them and, and dangerous like you know i can oh, yeah. imagine I've, bathing I've read, in your blood yeah. things like that it was yeah, really right. good one right yeah so yeah. He, shocked shocked he didn't respond yeah at some point you know you're like well, how do i get that ppo yeah. what do i have to do to get that or what is that satanic ritual coming you know can i put that in my book <laughs> uh yes that's very strange. clearly clearly yeah you know so, i wonder well, what attracted them in the, in the first was he like you know i mean Everybody gets that one. Was, you know? every, was everybody <laughs> incarcerated to begin with? I mean, was this like, did they meet? Did they actually have a face-to-face? And I, Yes, they did. And uh, he quickly realized it wasn't something that he wanted to pursue, and she disagreed uh, uh, because there was apparently a connection. Uh, there was a connection. Um, you got any crazy stories about You can't deny that. <laughs> All right, how about this story? This hey. story, and we've got a lawyer at the table, so we've got to talk about this. Um, my mom, when I moved out, got rid of my old baseball cards. These things typically happen. My mom did you the know, same thing. You know, this stuff happens. It's yeah. time to clean out. they got to turn your room into an office, whatever it is they want to do. Uh, this guy's suing his parents because they threw away his vintage porn collection. Oh. He's suing for $87,000 in damages for lost videotapes. Uh, he's from Indiana. 
$87,000. So his parents live in Grand Haven. That's where, the, that's where he lives now is in oh, Indiana. Yeah. So two stories from Grand Haven today. My God. Grand Haven, the new floor. Yeah, what's going it is, on out there? It is the third coach. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, he got kicked out of the parents' house in August 2017 after a domestic incident. Um, so who knows how old the guy was. They didn't say. But if they kicked him out, he'd clearly been there a little too long and clearly sat in the basement too long doing bad things. <laughs> right. So uh, Reviewing the catalog in the porn collection, apparently. Is. I, I, how do you Most value that? Time. How do you value yeah. that? That's a fair question. Um, I mean, 400 VHS tapes, more than 1,600 DVDs. You, you would actually... 160 plus CDs and 70 sex toys. This guy had this stuff well, in his parents' house. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the parents would do, <laughs> but when they just, maybe why he left because they made my God, what 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 is in the basement? Did they have a garage sale? <laughs> uh, you know, couldn't use the shed. But my guess is yes, the value of what was lost, he would need a vintage porn expert mm. to make a. It's evaluation. not the kind of thing that you see on on uh, you know antiques roadshow or anything no, like or that. Or the Price is Right vintage <laughs> yeah. porn collection. Yeah. I'm gonna go. No, you don't see that at all. But Eighty-seven thousand, Bob. Yeah, and, and, dollar. Know, and I just can imagine the argument about the porn in front of a judge or a jury, and just the head shaky back and forth, and like, really, this is what's going on. Yeah, it's 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 a it's strange. But can you can you force a parent to testify against their child? Sure. You, you I mean, my you guess can't. is your theory I mean, is that they it was like uh, Baylor Bailey. They were holding this for my benefit. They knew they were holding it for my benefit, and then they discarded it without my consent or permission. My guess is that's what the claim is. Well, I, you know, I would. Would you put this in front of – would this be better in, like, you know, the people's court? Uh, <laughs> Judge, Judge Judy. Even uh, Judge, Judge Judy, Judy. crazy. Anybody, well, Judge absolutely. Judy be like, you're a loser. Right. <laughs> in your parents' basement. Seriously? What are you doing down there? <laughs> what are, but uh, let's go back to possession again. You know, the money falls out the truck. You're saying we got to give it back. You know, but now your kids got this valuable porn stash in your basement. Who does it belong to? Like well, I said. Well, the question is the parents may say you abandoned this stuff when you split. If it was so important to you, you should have taken But they the kicked them out. Well, the, the you still court, grab it on your way out, right? Did, did <laughs> they give a notice? Did he make any effort to try to get it back? You know, did he even know what it was that they were disposing of? I mean, did he have it prominently displayed? I have shelves and shelves of whatever my porn would be. I mean, this is really important. You know why? Why? Because all of us as parents have said nothing in this room belongs to you. Everything in this house belongs to me. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to take this, that, and that, and you can get out. Right? Yeah. So this is the bedrock yeah, yeah. principle of parenthood, man. But your kid's 15. <laughs> right. <laughs> this guy's like in his early 50s. <laughs> I mean, God knows what's going on. Yeah, I don't know how old he is, but God right. knows what's Let's going see, on. They're VHS tapes, so he's clearly got to be older than that, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, this I'm guy's... going 70s, early 80s. I, I'm, okay, mm-hmm. so. But the principle is still the same, right? Are we going to be able to legally say from now on, should these parents not prevail, that. Whatever's in your room, Junior, belongs to me. All right. Well, no. we've got time for one more Go here. We've got time for one more. And this is another legal issue, uh, another legal problem. Shot this full. time for a He's pregnant mom. Us. He's not giving us any rules. Okay. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so here's do it this way, do that way. So there's a mom driving down the road. She's from Georgia, and she's pregnant. She's got oh. a three-year-old in the car who really, really needs to use the restroom. So she stops at the gas station, oh, yeah, but the kid yeah, is yeah. not going to make it. He's not going to make it to the bathroom. And everybody who's had a little kid knows these situations. It has happened to all of us. Now, you have a situation where the kid says, I'm not going to make it. So the mom puts up a towel in the gas station parking lot so nobody can see what's going on. She gets a ticket for allowing her kid to urinate in public. And she's facing potential 
jail time over this. This goes no. Now, That's a bit I'm much. sorry. This goes no. Who is this cop, first of all? That doesn't understand this type of a situation with a three-year-old. So it's like an indecent exposure. Sergeant by the child book. endangerment. <laughs> That's who it is, sir. Sergeant by that they, they wanted an exception Sergeant. for this. They, no, it's absurd. It's got to be. I mean, come on. We're, so we're human beings. The law. The ticket. Here's that. what the ticket states. But there's a blanket. Yeah, she allowed her yeah. male child to urinate in the parking lot. I observed the male's genitals and the urination. Public restrooms are offered at the location, but he wasn't gonna make it. I mean, you know, for little kids. That, those two steps are the difference. Yeah, I, I, I can't see this going far. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, the beauty of, of some courts, not right. all in Michigan, is a lot of judges are, again, decent human beings realize, come on, this isn't what the law is supposed to protect against. This is absurd. But her court date comes Please. up uh, tomorrow, wow. as a matter of fact, and her due date is like two days from now. So, again, this woman is two-term yeah. at this point in time and yeah. may have to go to court to fight this kind of thing. I hope – for everybody's sake here, that she actually delivers in the courtroom oh. here. You know, <laughs> That'd and, be perfect. And, uh, I just, and and yep. it just because that's how ridiculous. No, I agree. It, it's completely absurd, and it's, it's, a, it's beyond a stretch. It's beyond a stretch. Yeah. Literally. Well, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And to the little kid, hey, man, yeah. at least you didn't yeah. go in your pants. She was going to break water, and he was going to break bladder. So <laughs> I know, you right? go. That's a tough position. That to is, yeah. That's All right. Enough. Well, that's, uh, that's today's... Uh, Monday Follies. Wow. I appreciate it. Joel, Another thank Monday. you. It's appreciate a pleasure. it very much. Greg, appreciate you being here as well. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Certainly do appreciate it or listening perhaps later on in the podcast. Michael Lucido engineered our broadcast today. We always appreciate his help. And again, this has been the Monday Follies on Deadline Detroit. We'll see you next time. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news.